Hello, and welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. For this episode, we visit the New South Wales Mallee region, where consultant Chris McDonough catches up with cousins Nigel Baird and Peter Baird in a paddock badly drifted in the 2018 and 2019 drought. They're talking about the GRDC-funded project Practical Tactics to Improve Ground Cover and Ensure Soil Preservation Following Successive Low Rainfall Seasons. The Beds is a remarkable story of recovery following extended period of drought, which in itself is bad enough, but as a result, thousands of kangaroos descended from station country to take away any remaining ground cover, and this caused devastating wind erosion. Since then, Nigel and Peter have been working really hard to get the paddock back to where it was prior to the drought, and their success now just goes to show what can be done with a bit of hard work and determination. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Take a listen. Here we are in the north of Wentworth. We're uh, in some Mallee cropping country, amongst some station country on the property of Nigel Baird's here and uh, with cousin Peter Baird as well. And uh, perhaps you just tell us a bit about your farming system out here. Yep, yep. So we're about 65 k's northwest of Wentworth and we're predominantly merino grazing with a bit of opportunistic cropping and that's our main things with a little bit of a goat enterprise on the side just feral goats and yeah dealing with drought issues and trying to keep things going a broad overview but that's it so what sort of rainfall annual rainfall do you attribute to here historically we're that sort of eight 200 mil eight to nine inches yes. a year but growing season that's very so much but generally we used to be typically winter rainfall but don't know what's what at the moment so and extremely variable and it's obviously a lot of risk in the particularly the cropping enterprise so what sort of in ground like this what sort of cropping sequence would you normally try to work to previously yeah cereals and cereals and we had been when it used to rain trying to throw the pulse mainly peas into our rotations but yeah, weather restraints and stuff have yeah, put us all in the loop. But generally that's what we'll be aiming to do is two or three cereals with a pulse crop in between. Peter, you do a bit of agronomy for a few farmers through the area. What did you see happen from a reasonable year in 16 and then here, there, year in 17, but then we hit some real drought stuff. What actually happened to this land through the New South Wales Mallee here? Obviously the drought was the major catalyst for the problems that evolved based on no rains, no growth of anything, but vermin moving from the north was probably second to that, causing the biggest issues, bar none I'd say, so there was probably grazing issues evolved that landholders may have, would now think twice on, but whether they had done that or not, the vermin yeah, basically pulverised all residual stubble material when crops weren't sown because it was too droughty and no rainfall early on. So the kangaroos came from the north, hit the river or the two rivers and then banked up back to here and basically just get, they get funneled down from north. That's the worst you've ever seen basically for Oh for ever. Historically nobody has seen kangaroos in the numbers that we did in 2017, 18, 19 and even yeah 20. Peter how would you describe the soil types here and which ones are the most vulnerable to potential erosion? Where we're standing right now is premium red sandy loam Okay. Uh, yes. in, in that respect so productivity wise which historically in a sand dune swale type scenario would be where people might be most concerned for erosion but it's actually in this environment it's some of the lower elevated or less elevated soil types where it's rubbly calcareous soil types that yeah, are very prone to erosion and it's mainly because there's less growth 
so less residual cover but that residual cover when it's dry or green as well but particularly dry livestock will graze more intensely because it's actually sweeter and vermin are the same so it becomes basically double-edged sword that yeah it doesn't grow as much but it also gets eaten out more rapidly and that marley stuff yeah with a bit of hoof on it as well dust finds up and goes like bulldust yep and just I drive over it once and it's powder it's but powder you also yep. got some fairly sandy rises as well and so what actually happened as you got into say 2019 in terms of just the whole paddock and the surface and stuff like that i don't know whether it actually got proven or not but 2019 seemed darn windy and and Yes, the dry areas exacerbated the whole the whole wind thing because every time we had a little seemed like a little breeze, we had a dust storm. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much wrecked this paddock. Yeah. It was not a functional paddock. It was completely lumpy and lumpy. You couldn't put a header over it. It was shocking, disappointing, almost heartbreaking sort of thing. And then you got a bit of a crop on 20 and then 2021 was still, you just couldn't even say that because it was yep. no subsoil wash, no early break or no break rain, so you just had to pull out and, and left it left it to what it was yep. and hope that it held, but it still got quite lumpy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, our plans were 2020 was we had a little bit of rain and we needed to get some form of cover back through all these areas here and it actually grew it died and it grew back and we actually tried to harvest it and that's when we said this is not a functional paddock as it is yeah and so going forward before we try to do it we need to do something to make it a functional paddock so when you look here i'm just really excited what we're seeing now is a really good crop cover over the whole paddock which is fantastic and we've got some vision of when it was completely bare and just making that choice to be actually put leveling equipment over it and you went oh you can explain that in a second but just making those decisions to say yes i'm going to commit once you commit to fixing it you've got to go in boots and all don't you so can you just describe that process of when you did actually say this is the year to do it why did you decide that that was okay and then how did you go about it Yep, I'll try to keep this one short because That's it's okay. in, it's in, there's so many factors, decisions. The simple way I describe it is you've got $100,000, might as well go put it on the blackjack table, really. <laughs> Flip a coin. But you, you did have you, some, you had, you had so, summer rains, didn't you? Going away from <laughs> that, we'd had 2021 as a, we had a bit of cover from self sown from 2020, but we got the good rain or some summer rains and being fallowed 2021, we'd, started to build up a profile of moisture and yeah going on that we went right we've got half a profile of moisture if we get summer rains and then uh, a good opening break early april that that was the trigger point fill that profile up full profile let's go and let's do it things aligned the moon's aligned and that's what what happened, we made the decision and it's semi-paid off so far. So um, Peter, you're involved with some of that mechanical work. What sort of, uh, what were you doing with what machinery to bring it back and how many oh, times? I think the first rain was on the 15th or thereabouts of April and I think within three days we'd, yeah, hooked on with a chisel plough to basically open up the paddock as such. Full cultivation with the yeah. chain. And that was just not the worst areas because everything was that lumpy, whole, wasn't it? So the it? Whole, yeah. whole paddock was done yep. with that. And we're talking, what, 500 hectare paddock, aren't we? Correct. And then there was one pass with a cultivator and then two to three, depending on parts of the paddock, or two to four, depending on parts of the paddock, with a beam, a 50-foot beam, great big lump of H-iron. Yep. 
and then a cultivation pass to finish. To finish prior to sowing, then literally turning around and sowing it. Pretty well as soon as possible. Absolutely, yep. You minimise so, yep. that exposure to bare risk uh, after you've worked it. And then your seeding operation, what did you do fertiliser wise, seed wise, crop choice? Uh, obviously this paddock here had an amount of fertiliser all over it, but certainly these hills here which are we know they're end efficient and more prone to leaching and stuff. Had a little bit higher rate through the hills. What sort of in levels are we talking? Up to 60 kilos. Was Double sown areas at 100, but yeah, 60 kilos of Mappy Rare 2015 yep. type of blend. And yep. any of the real rubbishy Marley flats, calcareous soils had nothing. Zero, yeah. So, so they're bare, fairly fertile to start with. If it rains, they grow like stinking. If it doesn't yeah. rain, doesn't matter what you put on them. So. Yep. And the variety? So obviously with a lot of soil disturbance, we were concerned with uh, grass weeds or potential grass weeds. So we've gone a Clearfield variety grenade. That's because that's what I had in the bin. No other reasons, but just to have that up our sleeve if there ended up being a grass weed problem and not saying there's none, but it's actually fairly clean. I've chosen not to use the Clearfield spray at this stage. For this year. The cost versus benefit didn't seem worth it for this year, but we've still got it up our sleeve for yeah. next year. So. And sometimes in dry years, it's going to affect what you can do the next year. Keep your options open. Yeah, really excited just seeing this cover and we're seeing what it was like. And certainly just looking at the soil profile here, there's still really good moisture down in the clay subsoil there. But yeah, right through and you're starting to dry out the profile a bit, but there's still plenty to keep this through. You've had a eight week period of no rain after sowing. 11 weeks. 11 weeks. From the end of May uh, till last week was our last Friday week yeah. was our first real measurable rain. Yeah, it was about 11 weeks. So Sorry. we're all looking for the La Nina spring. How much do you rely on weather forecasting in your decision making? Don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think it gives an indication, very hard to make. 100% decisions on stuff, anything outside of two to three days, I don't and think the, it's... And the regional forecast, a bit like our other farmer friend is half an hour away in 2021, he had enough rain to sow and grow a reasonable crop last yep. year, where you missed out, whether you probably had the same forecast. We were promised <laughs> a wet winter and... Technically speaking, they've got six days left to make our wet winter because <laughs> right. we wouldn't have even had you know, barely 10 mil for the, the winter period. Yeah. So, But we're looking at the spring, we're reasonably hopeful that we're going to get something half reasonable, aren't we? It would be nice to think we had another 25 to 50 mil of rain over this. Um, yeah will make the header worthwhile getting out. It'd be fantastic. You've got enough moisture to carry it through for a bit of that, so that's good. I guess what I'm excited about is you're going to end up with a stubble cover here that's going to protect the whole paddock. So how are you going to manage that, and particularly with the stock in your system, maybe even the kangaroo threat? How are you going to make sure that you um, maintain this stubble coming into coming years? So if you're reading along through the notes, it pretty much should be underlined I am not going to graze this paddock this year, yeah. <laughs> circled, highlighted. So the plan is not to touch this paddock. So harvest and then keep everything out. We've done the expensive part by doing all the land work, getting it functionable again. So it's not worth the risk. So you've got plenty of station country for this sheep. You've also got some confinement feeding yep. as well. Yep. You've got plenty of a reserve on hand or did that get all used up? So um, out or what? Haven't got much reserve. I'm relying on this year's um, potential harvest to um, start building up some reserves again. But this paddock, this 500 hectares, no grazing this year. We still have other cropping paddocks. 
which are a lot more stable that if need be we can probably potentially graze after harvest and probably will. Just a light graze to pick up grain. Pick up grain and um, bits and pieces. So just another quick question about when you get back to say this will be, what will this be next year? It'll be another Clearfield variety. Most likely it'll be the new Commodus barley. Yep. We've got a portion of that growing to the north of us here to try to hopefully bulk up to sow enough yeah, for this paddock next year. So the year that you come back with a pulse crop in here, what pulse would it be? Field peas. And when you're deciding whether you go with field peas, like what are the decisions about summer rainfall, stored moisture, lateness of break that decide whether you put that pea crop in or not? Probably a better one for Peter to answer. He's the agronomist. <laughs> if you have a full profile of moisture, and you've got chickpeas on hand is probably this is the salt quality of this paddock you would probably grow chickpeas but it's a lot of money tied up in chickpeas to keep them on hand. Yeah and you wouldn't go too late with them no, they they'd not yeah. kill them in the soil and no. all that sort of stuff. Yeah correct. So, so what's your pull out date for them? Oh pull out date for those is probably the end of the first week in May. Yep. Whereas field peas you probably wouldn't sow until the 12th to 15th of May. So a lot more flexibility not relying on a spring for field peas really as such. Yep. A lot of their work's done by the end of September. Well basically nearly everything work-wise. So field peas are there's pros and cons with everything. Field peas are the most resilient in this environment to provide yield. Yes they're frost prone but we as a rule are nowhere near as frost prone as south of the Murray and yep. going further south in the Victorian SA. So field peas are the most reliable. They've got issues with drift risk post-harvest because of the fact there's not much left as a residue. Yep. But there are management techniques that can help overcome that. So it's either going to be in this area, I think, will be chickpeas or field peas. Those who grow chickpeas are basically going to have to pick years when they grow and based on subsoil moisture, is my take, just because they're very risky based on the input costs and all the other associated issues that come with them yep. in our environment. So field peas, in my opinion, are still probably going to be the main crop choice of a pulse for our area because we can't grow lupins just because of soil characteristics, unfortunately. Yep. Faber beans, failure beans, gets too warm too quick. Vetch is a grazing variety of a legume, is the only option, but that's no guarantee because they've got to be an early to get value, so if we don't get an early break, they're out. Yep. And lentils, yeah, you can ask Nigel about them, he grew yep. them one year. Yep, I've got words to describe them off camera. What I hear you saying is, so in the legume or the pulse part of the rotation, obviously if you've got good subsoil moisture, you've got your 25 mils in April or so, or even through to mid-May if with peas, then you can keep going with the peas, but if you haven't had that with your, your chickpeas, you're pulling out those. If you haven't had subsoil moisture, then you're really relying on a really good early break to move forward with that. You're not going to sow those dry, so if you haven't had subsoil moisture and if you haven't had a good early break then you will probably pull out if you pull out what do you do do you still sow cereal or just leave it fallow going forward and obviously we have spoke roughly about it those probably two indicators of summer rains or subsoil moisture before april and then a good opening rain of a decent amount if we don't have those two i'm thinking about changing rather than saying we have to plant put the tractor back in the shed and leaving it as a fallow and chemical fallow still yeah, maintain right. our weeds and just chemical fallow our input costs for what we normally get and the moisture we normally get it's not adding up and I think we're yeah, just we're trashing our soils trying to in our rainfall environment we're just trashing our soils with trying to continuously crop.
And uh, I guess the other indicator would be if you're, when we're talking about multiple drought years, is that stubble cover coming out of the spring from before. If you've got really strong stubble, if you haven't got much stubble, then that might swing you towards pulling out quicker. Yeah, pr predominantly still rainfall based and subsoil yeah. moisture based. Yeah, but the idea is that hopefully you can now get the stage where this paddock will be maintaining that 50% cover through spring or every year so that yeah yeah so that's good all right then now what you've known what you've learnt are you confident that if you have similar conditions again even though it's quite a rare combination of things coming together that you'll be in much better place obviously kangaroo stuff is out of your control but do you how do you think that you'll fare going into a similar situation in the future knowing what you know now i'd like to think fair good yeah. <laughs> otherwise we haven't learned anything have we grazing had an impact lack of rain was the main driver but i think with your information that we've passed on other case studies we can see it's a heck load of work to try to recover a paddock that's been destroyed going forward really monitoring if we ever graze in here 50% at least and really just uh, trying to leave as much organic material standing or on top for as long as we can because uh, two benefits it stops the soil blowing away but we need to conserve every drop of moisture cropping out here as we can and this is the proof 11 weeks without from when this was sown yeah and it's got to this stage so yeah, fantastic. Um, it is. Fantastic result from where it was. And sometimes you have to go through a bit of pain to get to the game. What you did to smooth this paddock out was hard and risky, but worthwhile. Peter's final comment, can we have sustainable cropping through this region or not? <laughs> yep, we can. And I think Nigel's probably at the nail on the head that it's only a small pocket in this region, or the SA Vic New South Wales Mallee, but I, I think it is basically going to become a opportunity cropping scenario based on subsoil moisture so I think if you're coming into March April and you've got basically a dry profile unless it's cats and dogs raining event in April you're probably not going to farm because Nigel said the, the cost to do it and the inputs and then if you're only getting a 0.6 to 0.8 tonne grain yield at the end you're only doing it for practice so what's the point you might as well build up a profile yes there's some input cost to do a fallow but it nearly guarantees, a bit like this crop, yes, April was nice, but it hasn't <clears> been much fun since April rainfall-wise, and there's definitely a yield potential of upwards of one and a half tonne if there's a couple yeah. of inches of rain in so the next six weeks. It comes but. down to yeah, being flexible, having those benchmarks in place, yep. and being prepared to act on those. And some of those things we've pulled together in a bit of a case study of the farms in this region, so that's something that can be accessed through MSF. Fantastic yep. job, well done, and all the best for this season. Yep. Thank you. Yep, for sure. What a great summary. Thanks to Nigel Baird and Peter Baird for openly sharing their experiences. More info on this story and others is available at the GRDC website. Also, follow MSF to see more on how this paddock ended up performing in the 2022 season. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later. Music